As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Well, thanks as always to the Norden Group. Uh, you know, you've heard me say it a million times, but uh, if you have uh, that seven or eight figures of investable income just sitting in boxes underneath your bed, find something better to do with it. The Norden Group, uh, they're the folks to talk to, as always. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week. Lots of news. Interesting topic, too. Um, right out of the gates, um, we have uh, a call to arms for you guys. Um, you know, Maybird, it, it sounds kind of cheesy to say that Maybird's like more than a bike team or whatever, but it really is. It, it's, a, it's a community of people who care about each other, who have known each other going back to what, like going on a decade here before too long. Um, really cool family of people we have here. And we wanted to draw your attention to uh, the Creech family uh, because they need they need some help right now. Yeah, Erica, and, and we all know and love Ellie, just one of the best writers has ever come through the program. Oh, yeah. Um, Few writers I'm more proud of than Ellie yeah. Creech to see in Maybird Colors. And I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but Ellie's mom, Erica, and Ellie doesn't talk about it much, but Erica has just been, is constantly in and out of the hospital and- Has some significant health problems. Very significant health problems. And, and apparently recently she's been on some medication, which, which is causing her to lose her teeth and- her dad and her her parents are just the most amazing, sweetest people ever. Oh yeah, um, salt of the earth. Have, her dad has has started a GoFundMe page for for Erica's dental work, and um, we're we're gonna post a link to it on Maybird's. Already up. Already up. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So go to that GoFundMe, throw a few dollars their way. Um, just, I think it's just a really worthwhile cause. Yeah. So. Whatever, whatever means you guys have available. I, I want to read really quickly the, the, um, the little paragraph attached to their, their, um, the, her dad wrote the, the GoFundMe that was written by, um, Erica's dad. Hello. Uh, I'm Bob Wassum. I'm fundraising for my daughter, Erica Creech. Uh, in the last decade, Erica's had over 40 surgeries, 14 in the last year alone. Uh, these life-saving surgeries have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, the associated medication has destroyed her teeth. Uh, they're cracking and falling out of her mouth, and she needs extensive and expensive uh, periodontal uh, surgery. I want to see my daughter smile again, and I'm asking for your help. These funds will be used to pay off her medical bills and defray the cost of new teeth. Please help us make uh, Erica smile again. And it's kind of one of the kind of the beautiful things about the age we live in is that there are really talented uh, dental and periodontal professionals who can completely reconstruct your mouth, but it's not cheap. It's unbelievably expensive. Um, and I, I can't imagine, you know, being, uh, like not being able to smile. That, that would be really rough. That's, 
that's one of the saddest things that's, I can think of. You one know? of the one of the many things we take for granted. Oh, hundred percent. You know, and and um, yeah, the, like I said, the Creech family. I mean, like, I don't think you have to be like the most wonderful yeah. people or ever to like deserve our help, but like these people are are the best. They yeah, really they've been like, with Maybird since Maybird started. Oh yeah, every step of the way, the most lovely people you could possibly imagine. So like like we said, um, you know, holiday season's over, but you can still be a good charitable, you know, it still feels good to be charitable. Right. So whatever means you guys have, this is, this is a fantastic opportunity to really help some fantastic folks. So, um, you can find the link to the GoFundMe at Maybird's Instagram page. If you go to our, um, uh, our profile, it's the link in blue right under where it says Maybird, click that and we'll direct you there. So, um, we have a couple other things we'd like to go over today. Um, it's the beginning of the year. There's always a lot of news, you know, we'll get to a point where, you know, we're kind of in the comfortable cycle of things in summer and people get how things work. But um, we do uh, we do want to let you guys know that uh, the first bike race in Utah, mountain bike race in Utah, is right around the corner. I know. Which can is you crazy. believe it's only two weeks away? It's unbelievable. I got I to go snatch up a whole bunch of fitness really fast. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> you know, and that's, it's cool. You know, I was actually down in St. George yesterday and it's, it's feeling like spring there. Oh, it's... it's it's you got to get down to St. George right now. You know what? St. George to. in the spring is there's nothing that recharges it's your batteries. Garden of Eden. It's, it is it's the amazing. Best. Yeah, it's the best. So um, uh, Red Rock Rampage, put on by uh, Red Rock Bicycles down there. Uh, first I Cup of the year is the 25th. Uh, so again, not this weekend, but next. You can sign up pretty late if you're not sure if you can do it. But I think there's some. It's more expensive day before or something like that. It's like the Thursday before the race. They officially close early registration or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how they do it this year. I know that the, it does cost more if you wait till the last minute. So, yeah, but you have the option if you're not yeah. sure if you can make it. Definitely consider it. Um, we do always caution. You know, there's some. You don't necessarily want to be racing year year round, but I think this is a great opportunity. Like, I wouldn't take your result there super seriously, but great chance to open up the season. You know, blow the cobwebs off, get a little bit of. Well, and I think know, it's a good way to get some intensity while you're doing more base yeah. type work. Oh, hundred so, percent. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd make it a, make it a little training camp or one of the days is a race, you know, yeah. I think, especially for our more advanced riders, lots of pros do that, you know, so uh, get on down there. We also wanted to throw out, um, uh, it is the beginning of the year. Um, we know that not everybody has been riding their bike every day. They probably shouldn't have been. Um, if you need to get your bike to a shop, do it yesterday. <laughs> do it right now. No, no. Don't wait. <laughs> now is such a great time. I, I actually went to see Andrew at Contender yesterday and he told me, He's like, you know, some of the mechanics are a little bit bored right now. So now is the time. Now is the time. Two weeks from now might not be the time. This is this is a golden window. Get your bike serviced because there's nothing worse than there being nice weather to ride at the beginning of the season and your bike's in the shop for two weeks because everyone in the valley is going to all five or six shops to get things taken care of. So, um, yeah, definitely jump on that. Um, if you guys, I, sorry, if you guys like need recommendations for where to take your bike, or if you live somewhere, you're not sure what a good shop is, ask us. We know people all over the place. We can recommend good shops. Yeah, just, just send your local bike shop some love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Local bike shops are important. Don't, don't forget that. Uh, also wanted to throw out, and I'm, I'm going to let Dan handle this, um, uh, clipless pedals. Let's talk about so clipless pedals. <laughs> we're going to talk more about this soon. We're going to actually have an episode soon that's just dedicated to new riders air quotes, beginner writers. Um, we're all beginners, but, um, I do want to mention to those about just a quick thing about clipless pedals. Let's call them clip in pedals. Cause I think, I, I, think I advocate, should we give background on why they're called clip, which is, 
really quick, when we say clipless pedals, if you're not familiar, we're referring to the pedals that you clip into, which is really confusing. It's and a that terrible like, term. Well, it's from the this is from the 90s, right? When you'd have like the toe cages that were called clips. Yeah. Which is silly because there's no clip mechanism going on there, right? What's wrong with you guys in the 90s? Yeah, what were you doing? Nice. So we're going to just call them clip-in pedals. Clip-in, but clipless is is the official term. It's super confusing. The alternative pedals that you just stand on, are, we call them flats or platforms. Yeah. Um, if yeah, and if you're riding those, that's fine, but stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, so if this is your first season riding and racing, I, I flats are fine. Yeah, I know some people are, and, and I really don't think your first time on a mountain bike you should be clipped in. No, um, but I don't think you need to spend a whole lot of time in flat pedals. There are some people that that really really advocate for riding in flat pedals but these people aren't concerned about going fast on a cross-country course no uh, i think there are like there are some advantages like you 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 tend to like you can pick up some good technique you can as far as like as far as like bunny hops and jumping and stuff i don't think the level of intentionality needed to pick up those good techniques is present in most of the nike racers who are using flat pedals. exactly is that fair that's a good way to say it yeah so so I would say, you know, if if this is your second season racing bikes, it's time. It's time to start thinking about clip-in pedals. Clip-in pedals, and then the season after that, you have to shave your legs, right? <laughs> but no, so, so the, the, you don't have to. So I'll the big advantage, the big advantage of clipless pedals or clip-in. Let's just start saying we're going to say clip-in from now on. We're going to say clip-in. Plenty from now of on. disclaimers. Clip-in pedals. Okay. The the biggest advantage of clip-in pedals are the shoes that you can use with clip-in pedals. Um, the shoes that use the flat pedals are squishy and soft. Mm-hmm. And every time you pedal, it's absorbing a little bit of your power. And, and I always compare it to like an aluminum baseball bat. Has anyone ever had a baseball with an aluminum baseball bat? It just goes for miles. Has anyone hit a baseball with a spongy bat? Like the big red one at Walmart that yeah. everyone had as a kid. Yeah, like, like you can hit your brother with air. and it doesn't hurt. You know, Right. It's, it's like imagine hitting a baseball with a marshmallow versus a pipe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like it's yeah. it doesn't I mean it is a huge again we always say these are not marginal gains this is like this will make you twice as so, fast overnight yeah so so pro riders like their shoes have extremely stiff carbon soles that do not bend and not even pro riders everyone like, I have I have well, shoes like that a lot and of, they a lot have and, the, and then their footbed is like molded to their foot so there's yeah. like it comes in just constant contact with their foot, like yeah. usually through like a custom orthotics or something. Yep. And then they always wear really, really thin, thin socks, socks so that, that that power transfer isn't absorbed. And um, yeah, and, and so you really get clip-in pedals for the shoes that you can use. Yeah. It's going to, it'll move you up several places. Can I have a 30-second gear soapbox? Sure. Okay. If you are listening to this and you go out on bike rides with um, the white Adidas socks that you buy in the six part pack from Walmart and super squishy 510 shoes and platform pedals, that's fine and we still love you. But you'd be a whole lot faster if you started using uh, a clip-in pedal with a nice stiff shoe. It doesn't have to be a carbon shoe even. Um, just any clip-in shoe that's not like, and I should say like if it looks like a street shoe but has a clip in it, that's not good enough. They should look like funky, weird, I don't even know what you compare them to, like like cycling-specific, XC-specific shoes that look like a road bike shoe, but with the mountain bike clip on the bottom, and then start wearing you some, some thin... The Adidas socks are fine to wear to school. Get some nice, thin, actual cycling socks to wear on the bike with your correct shoes and correct pedals, and you will thank me later. 
Yes. It, Joe and I were just Amen. joking before the, the podcast that like, like if someone made me ride in flats, I'd probably pick up running. Which is funny. Cause I, I was, I was going to push back and be like, okay, well that's a little, but then I was like, oh, huh. And, and maybe, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And, and once you go to clip in pedals, it, it scares you going back. And there are a lot of people that will tell you that flat pedals are just as good and just, and those, we have a term for those people in, in the industry. Uh, it's wrong. <laughs> um, no. And here's the thing for certain types of riding, fine, whatever, if you're looking yeah. to do bike park jumps, fine for the kind of riding that we do, you do not use flat pedals. Now, peace and love to our local bike shops. We love, and we want you to support. You will go there and someone will tell you, Oh, but these platforms have metal pins. And if you wear a soft shoe, it's just as good as being clipped in. And those people are wrong. They are incorrect. You need to clip into your shoes as soon as you comfortably can. And so for those, we've, boy, we're spending a lot of time on this. No, it's okay. We feel, we feel strongly about it. You know? Yeah. One day we're gonna have to turn this into a whole episode. I do think it's lame that we're going to spend as much time talking about clip in pedals as like, you know, like, like, like cert, like helping somebody with surgery and like a GoFundMe. Like I kind of wish we'd spent more time on okay, that and less time on this, but, but here, here's, <laughs> so I know a lot of people are like scared about getting into clip in pedals. So I have an yeah. awesome tip. You guys ready for an awesome tip? Uh huh. So get, get your, before you like go out and ride your, your bike with your new clip in pedals and your new clip in shoes, go to your local like sports complex or gym or rec center. And they always have those spin bikes there. Yeah. And the spin bikes almost always have. Oh yeah, that's true. Clip in yeah. pedals on one yep. side. You kind of have to flip them over because yep. they have like the toe cages on the other side. Yep. I would go there and practice clipping in and out on those bikes first, you know, cause you couldn't fall over. Right. Um, well you probably could. Yeah, well, uh, hey, you know, you sprint know, hard enough on anything you can follow. <laughs> you know, that's a great place to p practice clipping in and out. If you clip in and out a hundred times, you're good. You, it'll be second nature. Yeah. You'll uh, get to the point where it's like scary to ride a bike without. Yeah. Clipping and then I usually tell people to go to like a school field and ride around on the grass, which doesn't really exist right in the world that we're living in right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can ride around in the grass, clip in and out a hundred times. You'll be good to go. But. I doubt you will ever have a crash because you are clipped in. I never have. Even in a parking lot, I don't think it's ever happened to me. You might tip over once. Yeah, when you first get them, you might tip over once. But yeah. Oh, uh, permission for one more gear soapbox. Um, Granted. If that's okay. Once you convince the guy at the shop that you do indeed want to clip in, they might try and sell you the, the pedals that have clips on one side and flats on the other so that you can do both. Those are the spawn of Satan. Do not use those. They are awful and bad. Um, this is one that I feel strongly about, but it isn't the end of the world. There's also kind of like uh, within the world of clip and pedals, there's like the normal ones that just look like a really minimal, just like the little square that you click into. And then some will have like an extra bit of platform coming out around them. That is silly. <laughs> and if you're wearing the right shoes, that does not make a difference. If, if it makes it easier for you to clip in and that's what it takes to eat in clip and pedals, fine. That is pointless extra weight if you're going to be like riding clipped in with a 510 shoe that can increase your contact patch and that can have some advantages in other applications, just get the normal lightest clip and pedals you can get. And then I'm going to go one step farther and say, get Shimano. Um, some people will argue with me on that, but um, aside from being the most durable option, Shimano is far and away the most common, like probably what 90, 90 to 95% of people ride Shimano pedal systems. So like if you ride crank brothers, they're, they're lighter than Shimano and people, people buy them and they're fine and they work, 
but like you can never just hop on your buddy's bike and ride it or you know like take a bike change during you know a race of something i don't know like yeah. there's just so, use shimano yeah those are just for people that demand i'm not a shill different. for shimano my my current bike is mostly sram but like shimano pedals just all day long yeah fair enough absolutely cool Soapbox so, over. Wow. Kid. Sorry, Dan. Uh, yeah, we didn't leave very many stones unturned on that one, right? You know what? I don't know. They're listening to podcasts to learn about bikes. I'm not going to apologize for teaching people about bikes. Okay. So the last thing I want to go into before I get tortured in a quiz um, is this year has been super cool for me with Maybird because, um, because one of our sponsors, uh, Derek Taylor Capital, um, Rocky Derek, he, he contacted me during our open me- opening meeting and pitched an idea at me that he wanted to have his company donate a good amount of money to buy a couple bikes for kids that could benefit from them. You know, that might be, he, he really wanted it to be for someone that could just make him happier was kind of his whole thing, you know? And so we've, uh, we found a couple of kids and these are just awesome. And we're not, I'm not going to say who the kids are, you know, we're not going to really announce that or, um, but we've just found some really awesome kids and, and, you know, Andrew at contenders help us get some really, really good. We've, we've made, we've made Rocky's money stretch quite a ways. Oh yeah. Andrew and I had some vicious arguments over how to best stretch Rocky's money and we landed <laughs> on a really good solution. So, and, um, and yeah, we, we were getting a lot of bang for the, for the buck, but we we're getting these bikes for these kids and it's just been such an awesome, awesome thing to, you know, bikes are just such a blessing and, and they do cost money, but and good bikes make a difference and it really yeah. makes a difference. And it's just been so cool to, to be a part of this. And, and, and Derek Taylor capital is, is interested in doing this again you know, next season. So if if you guys are aware of some, you know, kid not, and when we were purposely trying to look for kids that weren't already on Maybird, um, that love the sport, that are motivated, that, you know, but it's just some of the financial aspects of the sport are, are too challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe kind of keep some of those people in mind and, mm-hmm. and we can see about maybe looking at them as candidates for next year. So, yeah. and I should say like, like Rocky was never like, and Hey, make sure to mention me on the podcast no. until like this. I mean, and he probably would hate that we're doing this, but like, if you see Rocky or something, give the guy a high five. That's cool, dude. You know, good for him. And again, he'd probably hate that and didn't ask us yeah, to say this, but we, us too, so. we, this can't go unrecognized. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Hey, if anyone else wants to give us money, we'll take it by the way. We'll, we'll put a bunch of kids on bikes. So, <laughs> which, you know, Andrew and I are happy to argue for Starting with years and years and years about how to best stretch money. So yeah, I've, I've always joked. I've, I've always done this sport on the dollar menu. But yeah, which is funny because until it's like, my kids got in the industry and then it became, and then, and then we're snobs. Um, no, it is kind of funny. And it's like, it's not one of those sports where it's like, you, it's like, oh, I'm desperately poor and can't afford to ride a mountain bike. It's like, oh, like this sport is unbelievably expensive unless you really, and like, and if you're not in, and the irony is like, once you're in the industry, you kind of learn how to do it. Like you learn the hacks and stuff to save money. But if you're like just starting into this sport and you're, and you're not on the Forbes 500, it's really intimidating. This is not an a, a approachable sport financially. Like well, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit too, but, yeah. but I do like what you told me once you either have to be rich or irresponsible. To- yeah. That was, I get that line killed with customers. People thought that was so funny. I have so many funny like lines I'd use for the middle-aged men in Liker that I was selling stuff to. They just ate it up. 
Um, but yeah, huge shout out to, to Rocky Derek and, and Derek Taylor Capital. All right. Well, yeah, I know main, what's next. Main topic. No, um, no, my quiz. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot. So I forgot because, and I should say most of the time when I quiz Dan, it's on stuff that I know and he doesn't. And then I get to kind of have a self-satisfied chuckle because I know more than Dan. Um, in this interest of being topical, it is the Super Bowl today. Can we say that? I think I think I don't think the NFL is going to sue us okay. if that's what you're concerned about. I think that would be pretty funny though. If I'm going to go out, I'd love to be going. I'd love to give, be like let's like, get sued by the NFL. Let's get sued by the NFL. Um, no, we can say Super Bowl. I don't think they have that locked down. Um, but but like I I will know the answers and Dan won't and stuff. I should say I don't I couldn't answer any of these three questions uh, before this morning. Um, football's great. It it it's, it's truly America's sport. It's not something that's ever been big in the Draper household. And I, I think that's kind of funny because it's almost like deliberate ignorance at this point. Um, but, uh, we don't watch the Super Bowl here, so we thought it would be funny to ask Dan some very basic questions about this particular Super Bowl and, and see how much uh, knowledge he has. Um, yeah, we'll probably have to work on it. But out of the gates, Dan, and I think you know this, um, who are the two, who are, who are the two uh, teams who are playing in the Super Bowl this year? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So I know that one is one is the Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. And the other one. <laughs> yep. This is funny. Just just answer this. The really other quick. one is Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Eagles. The Eagles. So Dan, I, I asked this question because I asked Dan who was playing in the Super Bowl, and he said it was the the Kansas City Chiefs and the Phil and the Phillies. Yeah, I said the Phillies, which is a baseball team. Correct. <laughs> and then Dan's defense was, well, I was thinking about the sandwich. So, but when I said that it was the Phillies, you didn't correct me. That is true. That is correct. I didn't correct you, and I didn't know if Phillies. And the funny thing is, if I was trying to be funny, that would have been awesome. No, but it was just the yeah, that was just being What's dumb. the basketball team from Philadelphia? 76ers. 76ers. See, you know basketball a little bit. You were into basketball as a kid. Yeah, I like basketball. Basketball's it's, fun. It's I, less boring than... It's way less boring. Basketball's fun. Basketball yeah, basketball's really cool. Exciting. Football and Fo- baseball is kind of boring. Sorry. Football, I could... I, th- I, I think football's maybe like road cycling. Okay. Like I could learn to appreciate well, it. Football's interesting the last 20 minutes... Or the last 10 minutes, which takes like the last hour, I guess. Yeah. So... Ba- baseball. If you're watching baseball, just get on better antidepressants, man. There's just better things to be doing with your life. I baseball fans come at me. I've been to a baseball game. It was boring two hours of my life, but America's pastime or whatever. Anyway, so part B to this question here, really quick. Okay. Um, which of those teams is currently favored to win? You know, um, let's see. Hang on. Let me just go through some logical thought processes here. I, I actually want to say the Chiefs. You're going to lock that in? Yeah. Incorrect, Dan. No. Really? So it's close. I, okay. From my understanding, it's not like there's a runaway favorite, but all the gambling people see. So the reason I said them. that is I actually asked someone who the underdog is, and they said the Phillies. Really? And I usually vote for the underdog. Like in the U of U BYU so you don't game. Vote for, you, don't vote, you don't vote in football. <laughs> Root. <laughs> I always go for the underdog. Cast and, your ballot. See who gets a touchdown. Okay, so... You root for the underdog, which is very much in line with your personality. Um, no, from what I could tell, the bookies seem to favor the Phillies for oh, this. Okay. Um, well, I don't know why. I can't I explain it. I quickly change my allegiance. I know, right? Um, go. Should we go buy shirts or something? Um, <laughs> here's the next question. Name one player from either team. <laughs> Bob? <laughs> one player from either team? One player. from. Name anyone who will be playing in this year's Super Bowl. Oh my gosh. 
I have no. I can't. Even. How many? How many? How many currently active NFL players can you name? Probably none. I know Tom Brady. Tom Brady is he active though? Yeah, he's re- he's retired yeah, Tom, and then came back and he's retiring again. But he is a current yeah, active NFL he's, player. He's the only one I even know. There's got to be one. Peyton one. Manning. Is Peyton Manning still playing? I don't know. Walter Peyton. <laughs> Walter Peyton. Is that a real? Is that a real football player? Or did you just make that up? No, I think from like 20 years ago, probably. But I can't think of any others other than that's crazy. There has to be someone else. Okay, neither Dan or I could name anyone playing in the in the Super Bowl, which is that's. I mean, we yeah, should we should at sad. least know that. That's okay. We're lame. Um, uh, last question for you here. Where is the Super Bowl being held? Um, I'm going to guess it's not in Philadelphia or... It's not, which I assumed it would be one or the other, but I guess that's not okay. how it works. Um, Arizona. How did you know that? Is that right? It's Glendale, Arizona. Yeah. Are, was that a random guess? That, well, I think it was kind of subconscious. Like you must have heard that somewhere yeah. associated that. There's no way you... I mean, your odds are... Yeah, I, 50, I didn't right? know that, but that came from my subconscious one somewhere. 48, I guess, because we've eliminated Kansas City, which is in Missouri, right? Yeah. And then Philadelphia is in... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, one in 48 chances. I think that's probably... You heard it somewhere and that came back. But, yeah, Glendale, Arizona. I didn't know Glendale. Yeah, no, I, I think it's Glendale. That's what I read. I don't know. That was a place. But, yeah, there we go. So, uh, Dan and I's uh, Super Bowl knowledge. I don't know if, if that was surprisingly bad, but... Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll report back next year and we'll know a little bit more about the Super Bowl. Yeah, at, at any rate, we'll, we'll move on to the main... We'll, we'll get back to cycling, which is a little more in our wheelhouse... We're slightly less dumb when you missed, it comes you missed, to... You missed, it's a little more in our wheelhouse. Oh, wheelhouse. <laughs> wheels, get it? Because there are wheels. Um, no, I, I don't even really know how to like... Inter- today's topic is broad. Um, it, genetics? Is that... What am I going to name this episode? <laughs> I don't know. You'll, you'll think of something. I'll think, I'll think of some pun. That'll be really but, lame. But um, You know, I think the important thing that I just want to make clear before we, we start talking about this is the purpose of Maybird is to develop athletes we're not a team that collects the best athletes no we we don't have scouts (laughs) yeah we don't have scouts we you know we like to take people that have interest in in joining with maybird and and our hope is that by doing so we help them become better athletes and i love it when and, and i can think of so many cases and so many stories i could do a whole podcast telling you cool stories how when we have like a kid that joins that really doesn't show a whole heck of a lot of promise, yeah. but somehow catches the bug and just keeps moving up, moving up, moving up groups, moving up ranking divisions in NICA, you know, and gets to a point where they, they just become an, an incredible athlete and yeah. cyclist. I just love to see that improvement. And that's really what we try to do. We try to develop athletes, not just collect them. And, and on the flip side, like we have, I could name plenty of really sad cases of like athletes who have shown a lot of promise and obviously were very gifted that just stop or don't go anywhere, or burn out or get discouraged or never take the f- second step into cycling, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's some... a bummer, you know, it's really, it's really cool on one hand. And then, you know, um, yeah, there's also those kind of stuff. I, I like, well, obviously I don't name names, but you can think of a few of those, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and and I guess I kind of came up with the the topic for this podcast when I was when I was going through the process, which really takes me a long time of just putting people in different Maybird groups. And I I like I like you guys know I mostly look at Nike results, and I was looking at you know comparing just some of the different results from like 
you know, JVA riders to JVB riders to JVC riders and JVD riders. And, and I got thinking, you know, so what is it really that, that separates these different groups? Is it genetics? Is it opportunity? Is Cause it, there are some pretty significant time differences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's about, there's a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of overlap as well, but yeah, there are some, some differences. And, and so I just thought that by, by talking about like some of these things, it could help us all, like no matter what level we're at, be able to maybe move up to the next level and keep moving up and advancing until we reach our potential. Because fun fact, everyone listening to this has something in common. And that is that there is someone who's better than you. They're out there. We might have to look hard to find them for you, Dan, but <laughs> there are people, you know, I mean, even if you're listening to this and you're, and you're Nino Schurter, Matthew Vanderpool can beat you on his day. And if you're Matthew Vanderpool listening to this, Wout Van Aert can beat you on his day. And if Wout Van Aert's listening to this, then Vanderpool can beat you. You know, like no matter who you are, there's always room to improve. Um, there might be, you might, you know, like Dan always says you might well, be closer to your ceiling. Actually, I was going to say those guys don't have as much room to improve as, as we, as we do. do. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. None of us are I'm anywhere near our ceilings. Hopefully. Right. You know, <laughs> but it'd be depressing. That'd be really sad. You know, I might be, but who cares? So, so first though, let's, let's talk about like how important is genetics in cycling? It's fascinating because it's something we talk about a lot. You know, like you say somebody's like built for cycling, which usually means you've got the kind of, you know, spider monkey build with the long arms and legs and you weigh nothing and have all the power. You know, if you think about like, if like if it was those theoretical physics or whatever, like the fastest cyclist would be one who weighed nothing and had infinite power, right? Or you know people that have an amazing uh, like a really high VO two max, and it happens. There's you if you follow cycling news long enough, you'll see there's an article every year. Fill in the blank kid from fill in the blank country does world record uh, VO two max test or better than a doped up Lance Armstrong VO two max test. And it's almost always some kid from like Norway or something, um, or like. Uh, Primoz Roglic, um, winner of the Giro and the Vuelta, um, one of the best Grand Tour riders in the world, uh, was a, a professional ski jumper, had a really bad injury, happened to like be in a lab one day and get tested and his VO2 max was off the charts. And like before he'd even really done much bike racing, teams were like recruiting him and stuff. So we talk about it a lot, but I don't know, have you found, it, do we, is the amount that we talk about it justified? Well, you know, it's a really, really interesting topic. And... I think that, you know, I really don't know how to, how to kind of package up the conclusion I've kind of, kind of come to, but I'd almost say that for what we're doing and for where we're at in our development, it's, it's definitely an advantage, but kind of overrated a little bit. I would, I would, I I would guess that most people think it's a bigger deal than it actually is. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. No, definitely at the tippy top of the spear. It's huge. Yeah. But at where we're at now, it's not the biggest factor at all. It's a, and it's a nice little bonus for yeah. some of us. Yeah, and it, it it's a it's a good head start for a lot of people. Yeah. But it it's it's not as, as much of a determining factor, you know, for Nike racers as it is for people that are trying to do the Tour de France. Right. You know, it's totally. fair enough. So you know, there's people that put the how important the um the genetic contribution to athletic success. I've seen, you know, in my research, I've seen numbers anywhere from 30% to 80%. Of like how much, what, like the contribution of genetics Like how important it is to, you know, and basically. That's that's stupid. But basically (laughs) most people say it's really hard to say. Yeah. And, 
But let's say it was, let's say it was 50%. I'm just picking a number kind of in between. Okay. You know, if, you know, and the rest of it is other factors, you know, the rest of it's going to be like your lifestyle, your nutrition, your training, your coaching, your blah, blah, you know, you know, and like, like I got thinking about it. Like if Nino was only 50% of Nino's ability, he'd show up to an iCup and be kind of a normal person, you know? I might take issue with that, but carry on. No, but do you see what I'm saying? If I, he was, I get what you mean. Yeah. You know, if he was just relying on talent alone and okay. didn't have any, oh. and didn't have any of the training, didn't have any of the nutrition, didn't have the lifestyle, didn't have the skills, didn't have. Just doing like average if, GCN viewer sort of level yeah, if, of dedication if, to cycling. Like if Nino oh, wasn't actually a cyclist, but showed up to a race, he'd probably do surprisingly yeah. well. If Nino was like an accountant who trained twice a week. You know, and had like a decent but bike he, or whatever. He wouldn't be Nino. No. Oh, this that's actually a really interesting kind of thought. And then you have to wonder how many Ninos are there out there who are just like working at you know Bass Pro Shop or whatever, like you know, or, you know, or like pushing paper at a desk somewhere. They're out there. How many Michael I mean, Jordans are just kicking around? I don't you know. know. Well, actually, I, I don't know. That, that's a really interesting topic. But I guarantee there's there's they're out there. They're out there. Yeah. You know, you're you're looking at one right now, right? No, I'm not actually. <laughs> Is there a mirror? Okay, no. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, so they're definitely so the genetic component. I mean, it, it is important. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing for sure. And there, there definitely are some genetic advantages. There's certain genes. In fact, there's actually certain genes that that can be identified in people. Like you could get your your DNA mapped, and and they could identify some genes that could indicate you have potential to be a professional cyclist. Hmm. Um, you know, but not all professional cyclists actually have those genes identified. Like there's some no. that don't have them that still were able to yeah. get, um, you know, th- th- there's a gene that there's the ACE gene, the ACTN3 gene, the PPARA gene. This seems like a good time to have a disclaimer that neither Dan or I or our geneticists or have a science background. Yeah, and, and in like, fact, like <laughs> learning about this has just been so fascinating. Oh my gosh, I, the people who study this full time. I went down some wormhole, rabbit holes. Is wormholes. it a wormhole or a rabbit hole? Are you time traveling? <laughs> that were just so fascinating. Oh yeah. Um, I just learned so much. This has been really cool and exciting for me, but like it, it's really interesting that, that some of these genes that people have really do offer some advantages probably some of the biggest ones are you know if you're air quotes genetically gifted you're going to tend to be more slow twitch dominant like a higher percentage of your muscle groups are going to be slow twitched as essentially meaning like your muscles are predisposed to be good at endurance sports yeah is what that means right and 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 also like better fat oxidation and so forth and and, and that's a new one can um, you explain really quick i'm not familiar you know, fat oxidation. No, yeah, and we, we talked, talked about, about that, that a, lot, a little bit. So no, 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 that's that. It's, it's your ability to use fat as a substrate for, for energy instead of relying oh, okay. completely on carbs. Okay, my body's bad at that. <laughs> it just it just kind of hangs on. To it well, we later. can fix that. Oh, you start I bet doing, you, can. you start doing some long rides. And, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. Um, the, there's there's you know also your ability to to create healthy. And large quantities of mitochondria within your cells is, is another genetic advantage, huge genetic advantage. Um, your VO2 max, we're going to do a whole podcast on VO2 max. That that can be an indicator. It's it's not the most important. It's it's overrated, I yeah, would say. It's not everything. but Yeah. You're really, your, your FTP is more important than your VO2 max. And like pros really just have a high FTP in relationship to their VO2 max. But yeah. Um, 
And your body, like the, your body type too. I mean, there's, there's some people that have bigger, heavier frames and there's, um, like I can tell you going into cycling, I was overweight and that is hard. And like, I'll throw out too, like, but, and this is where genes really can be a little tricky on the flip side. You know, like if you're coming into a, a like mountain biking in Utah, trying to keep up with, you know, all the, all the other kids my age were like half my weight. Like that was a struggle, but it helped me in other ways. Cause I was, I ended up having a better sprint than a lot of people. Like, but you were incredibly strong. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing too about weight is Watts, like in yeah. the Watts per kilo equation, the Watts part of the equation is a way more important factor than the per kilo part of the equation. That's true. And it's also like, I'd throw out like your genetics could be good, but you just haven't hit puberty yet. Like you could be listening to this and like, you might just be hitting puberty a year or two later than everyone else. And that's a huge deal too. Cause if you're half, every, if you're half the size on a flat Nike course, you're going to have a much harder time. So like it is, I mean, this probably affects everyone in some way, good or bad. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about development too, because that happens at different rates for different people too. Yeah. You know, some people develop super, super quick, then plateau mm -hmm. almost instantly. Other people, it's this slow, gradual, steady improvement until they're 45, you know? And, right. Um, it's very individual for people. Um, interesting about the pros, though, one of their their characteristics, their, a genetic characteristic of a pro that makes them the best, and I almost think this is the most unique one, is just their ability to respond to training. It, like, put in simple terms, like, you're getting faster from your training and it's having an effect. You're like, your training's having a positive effect. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like their training has a better effect than most people's training. And so it's just more impactful. Like they're getting yeah. more bang for their buck. Training yeah. And, and that they can also handle larger volumes of training than, than most people. And both those things but, are genetically determined. Yeah. Really? And, but the interesting thing about that though, it kind of says though that like, a pro just can't show up and naturally be a pro just based on natural yeah, talent. Right. Whatever, like whatever genetic gifts they have, they have to be developed still. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Like you couldn't just take somebody with pro potential out of the, you know, frozen foods, idol target, throw them on a bike and they'll win a world cup. But you know, like they will, I don't know if there's a way to measure like how your response to training, but basically for the same input, they'll get a greater output than I would right for training does is that is am i understanding yeah. that correctly okay yeah. all right you oh, know and it, it it's it's definitely on like a, a a big huge bell curve you know like yeah um there's this kind of pointy end on one end these people that respond unusually well to training and there's just a few people and these are the people that can do world cups and do the tour de france and whatever and then most of us are going to fall kind of like right in the middle of that big curve right. where Training's extremely beneficial. We'll still yeah. benefit a lot from it. Like within the two stand, most of us are within two standard deviations. Like go learn about bell curves and stats. If you're listening to this, take a stats class. That was the most interesting thing I ever I'm did. I'm sure most of these kids have. That's, That's true. Like, We're talking about the academic. And then the, and then the, and the other end, you know, you, you're getting, there are a few people that don't respond well to training, but yeah. they're almost pretty rare. Yeah. The, the like they're almost, they're as rare mathematically. Yeah. They're probably as rare as, as those that ex respond extremely. If you're one well. of those people, that so sucks. But. My point is, <laughs> is most of us are going to respond really Fine to train <laughs> fairly well, really yeah. well to training. Like training is yeah. going to make a huge difference for, right. for all of us. So, um, but, but genetics is only like, I would say at best 50% of what makes Nino and Nino or, you know, Walt Van Art, Walt Van Art, or, you know, 
you know, there's there's other things that that come into it. Just like the volume that these these writers do is just, I mean, twenty to thirty hours a week of training. Like I can't we, emphasize this enough. It's their job. Yeah, we can't. Like I wake that. up, I wake up and go to work and and do physician staffing. They wake up and and they're a bike racer. That's their job. You know, like uh, if they don't win races, they don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's not really true. Rarely people in the long run, it's true. Rarely people win races. Hard it, in the long run, but, it's true. But another huge aspect of of becoming like a world class cyclist is is your grit. Yeah. Like just your ability just mental to toughness, just mental toughness, mm-hmm. just passion, perseverance. Like you can, you get kicked in the teeth, you get up and get going again. Yeah. You know, it's, and not a lot of people have it that, I mean, it would take so much of that to become well, a pro cyclist. And more and more, that's what I look for when I'm looking for like a talented or when I'm trying to identify like a talented uh, kid is, is not so much like their physical ability is like their mental toughness. Cause if you really want to go away in the sport, you're going to have to have some really dark crappy days where you worked all year for a race that goes that down the toilet well. in the first two minutes. Right. And, and like to be able to bounce and on the flip side, it's not like a person, it's not like a character flaw or something, you know, you're not like a bad person, but there are people where it's just like, it doesn't go their way. And then it's the, the motivation's gone, you know, like in some ways I'd even go so far as to say, you kind of have to be an idiot to be good at this sport. <laughs> you have to be okay with banging your head against the wall a lot, you know, like a lot of really well-adjusted people might just be like, oh, well I'll move on, <laughs> you know, but you sort of have to have an ax to grind if you really want, and, and not to get like, not to be like a mid-level I-cup racer, but if you want to win, if you want to win stuff, if you want to be national champion someday. I like the phrase, you just have to be ridiculously stubborn. Yeah. That's a Colby Pierce phrase. Oh, okay. But, yeah. There we go. But I think it just totally dis- describes Oh, yeah. 100%. So, so yeah, obviously genetics are important. I'd be, I'd be wrong if I said it, it they weren't. Can't I'd, write it off. Yeah. But they're more important at at the world class level. Um, less important at the NICA ICUP. Genetics is never going to prevent somebody from being varsity state champion in NICA. Uh, yeah, that's it's a nice little bonus yeah, if you've got just, it. But just sum up the whole podcast for us. While we're well, thanks for listening, should. folks. <laughs> you you guys wish we were done at forty one minutes. <laughs> well, this is gonna be a long one because I'm really long. Yeah. I'm just getting started. Now, um, so Joe, like, are we stuck with the genetics that we inherit i mean scientifically yeah that that sounds like a trick question but the answer is yes are we are we let me rephrase are we stuck with the dna we inherit yes yes we are right but okay this is this is the part i just thought was really Unless cool you get a bone marrow transplant oh is that the case i think that i've heard that okay. i think that's true sorry carry on so are you familiar with epigenetics no i don't okay. know if i've heard of that it's it's just a really interesting thing to learn about. It's super cool. So why don't you tell me what it is first? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so so basically our DNA kind of instructs the proteins which create our cells, which creates kind of who and what we are. Okay. If you don't okay. know what DNA is, watch some Bill and I. We're not gonna explain that. Okay. Um epigenetics occurs when there's these chemical tags that will get attached to our DNA and the cells that the DNA um, basically transcribes. It, these, these, these tags attach to the DNA and will either kind of like turn those off or amplify them. 
Is that what expressed, like expressed? No, that's kind of different. That, you know, that's more like genotype versus phenotype. I don't like what? you throwing around these words like you know what they mean, Dan. This makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're dumb yeah. like me. Come on. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, and that's it. Like your phenotype is like, like if you have brown hair, that was your phenotype. Okay. You know, you could have, you know, you, you had a redheaded uncle or something, so you could have had red hair, but, you know, you got brown hair because that was your phenotype. Okay. You know, you really... Um, yeah, that's something you don't, but, but epigenetics are things that actually can change. Oh, interesting. And, and, and so these, these, these chemical labels get attached to the DNA, which can cause changes, um, like, like either, but they can be good and bad. And they're, they're really based on like your environment, um, like your nutrition. Like there's not a pill that you're taking that changes these things. They change in response to... Training and nutrition, essentially. Training, for nutrition, purposes, environment, right? chemical exposure. Oh, you know. interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, but but an interesting thing, and this is this may this is kind of a new thing that's um, that obviously needs a lot more research. But some of these epigenetics can actually be passed on. Most of them can't, but but they are finding like like some of these could be passed on. If they are, they're easily overdone by lifestyle you know but i just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that um, so bear with me here to make sure i understand this correctly let's pretend we have two identical twins right mm-hmm. and uh it, like so assuming identical dna and one of them trains to become a cyclist and goes pro and the other one's just like a, a standard person right and then these two twins both have children is the child of the one who is the professional cyclist going to have a better genetic setup for cycling than the other one, all things being equal. It's possible. I guess, assuming asexual reproduction, which <laughs> is probably not happening, but... Yeah, it depends on who you... I'm just trying to, like... Who he or she marries. But you get but, what I'm asking, Yeah, no, right? but that, that's that's possible. Okay. It's definitely possible, and it's it's kind of cool, kind of emerging studies, but, um, but the thing is, those two twins could be, like, one could have, like, heart disease, and the other could be extremely healthy. Oh, that's true. Based on... You know, just based on their lifestyle and their nutrition and their exposure to genetics is crazy. That's like every time I've tried to crack into this world at all, my brain just like melts like three <laughs> minutes in. It's so, so, so it's super cool. Like it, it's super I wish cool. I was smart enough to understand it. And, and so, so we have genes that can be like activated and deactivated for survival. Okay. And, and, and exercise is actually a stressor that can like can demonstrate like the ultimate function of some of these genes interesting huh yeah so so yeah so i would like so here's my analogy that oh boy uh, buckle up okay let's see how this goes all right so so dna is kind of like a recipe okay 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 um there's really good recipes out there there's recipes that aren't that great right you know um, I remember one time after we were first married, like we had a neighborhood cookbook and, and, and Oh, I've heard of this recipe. Before. My wife, like there was a ketchup casserole and oh we, my gosh. we tried it because like, <laughs> because it, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you got, it was mor- like morbid it, curiosity. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> no way. You know, but then like, like Anthony Bourdain never ate a casserole, like a ketchup casserole. Right. Yeah. You so know. don't, <clears throat> Yeah. But, you know, there's this, like... Episode like, type. I figured out what the episode type is. <laughs> but, you know, like, 
like my grandma's sugar cookie recipe is just an legendary. Awesome, yeah, right? an awesome recipe. Uh, you know, so there's good recipes, there's bad recipes, but Wait, that was the analogy that there's good recipes and bad. I thought this was going to be something that you. Okay. No, no, I'm not. Do you are think are we I'm done? done? Oh, I, I thought no. that was the end of the tracks. That I was like, I understood what you meant by good and bad recipe, Dan. <laughs> No, Sorry, just on. when I said that, I thought of the ketchup casserole. And, oh, okay. I thought so, that yeah. was the analogy. Okay. That, no, Sorry, we're not. Carry on. We're not. We're just. Okay. So there's recipes. Some are good. Some are bad. Okay. <laughs> some are in between. But like if you had like, say you had kind of like a, a really good recipe, but you had a bad chef that like uh, that used okay. poor quality ingredients. Right. And didn't even include some of the ingredients, right? And left some of the ingredients, and then added other ingredients that yeah. it didn't call for. Substitute the butter for the margarine, and then threw in shredded carrots for some yeah. reason. And even though this recipe was a good recipe, right? The cookies aren't going to turn out that great, right? Oh, this okay. This is actually a good analogy. Okay, okay. See where I'm going? I, you I, know, and then I'm picking up what you're throwing. Down. <laughs> but like, and then kind of like on the flip side, um, you could have like a, a mediocre recipe. Yeah. And if the chef knows what they're but doing. But the chef knows like, what they're oh, okay, doing. And like, like, no, I'm going to leave the ketchup out of that casserole. And <laughs> Maybird's t-shirts next year. Should that replace TBY? Leave the ketchup out of the casserole. <laughs> no, because we can't really. It's well, a long sticker. Yeah. It'd be a lot of explaining. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We think we're so funny. I know everybody's just like clicking the 30 second skip ahead button right now. <laughs> You know, so, so yeah, so you kind of see where I'm going with that analogy. Like, yeah. like our DNA is that, is that recipe, but the epigenetics is kind of what our life does to that recipe. And, okay. Okay. And, you know, and so, and so to be a professional cyclist, like to be like a world tour pro, yeah, you would have to have a really good recipe and a really good cook and a good cook okay. and use good ingredients and right. probably have a really nice kitchen and a good right. oven. Right, right, right. And right. and nice uh, silverware. I don't okay, know. I was going to say, I'm like, what? you said and that last time. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm out of ideas. Where's he going? What's this last and going to be? You love when you talk yourself into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. So I, at least I, a whole bunch of people aren't listening, right? <laughs> that's good. That's true. Um, yeah, you know, and so like, so yeah, so that's that's kind of epigenetics. You know, we we really do like, yeah, we we do have this this DNA, but a lot of our choices and what we do can really make our recipe turn out as best as it possibly can. Is kind of the kind of the point with that. So okay, all right, that was a decent. That was actually of all of your your metaphors and analogies, that was one of the ones I like more. Oh, thank you. You get you get my stamp of approval. Okay. Congratulations. That means something. I know, right? So. All right, so we've kind of established that genetics are kind of important, right? Okay. Genetics are kind of important. I like that. Okay. That's kind of like the whole point of the episode. And, and, you know, if I had to sum up my thoughts on genetics, I would just remember this. Your genetics are probably good enough. Interesting. That Statistically, that's actually like almost empirically true. Your, your, your genetics are probably good enough. Yeah. It is unlikely you have genetics that are so bad. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, and there's a few people out there that have really good genetics, but most people like, like me personally, like I, my, like I could be really, really heavy, really, really unhealthy and really, really out of shape. Wait, what did you say? Nothing. (laughs) Or I can be fairly healthy. I mean, a, a 
decent yeah. athlete. You yeah. Know, just based on. Yeah. Better than most people off the street. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. And it's just based on like the things I decide to do, you yeah. know, and, and you know, the food I eat, the way I train, the, the, the sleep the I get. pumpkin pie flavored ice cream in the fridge right oh now. Oh my gosh. That's so it's good. really good. I was shocked. I, I thought bought, you were full of it. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, and that's not helping my epigenetics, but. No, but hey, you know. Yeah. You know, but I'm happy. It's okay. So, Our recipe is probably like oatmeal raisin cookies or something. <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's like, you can make, I've had good oatmeal raisin cookies. I'm like, but, yeah, let's, I like to think of myself as an oatmeal raisin cookie where I substituted chocolate chips for raisins it's still kind of bad but like it could be worse (laughs) (laughs) i think we need to move on (laughs) i'm really liking the metaphors in this episode (laughs) okay so comment below what recipe are you (laughs) (laughs) okay okay i'm so sorry we're at like 52 minutes and you probably haven't had to carry on well i haven't even gotten to the part i really wanted to get to yet but okay so your genes are probably good enough and and so we kind of talked about like, you know, really what, what is, was kind of the difference between, you know, some of our, some of our JVE, DC writers from like, you know, the varsity and JVA writers, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's genetics. No. I think that might be a, a fact. It's definitely a factor, but probably not in most I cases. If, I bet if you took the average genetic goodness of all of those, it would be a pretty even spread. I, I seriously doubt you'd find all of the best genes in the JVA group. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. But here's what I do think is is a factor. And this is super interesting. And I, I, a lot of, have you heard of the book Outliers? I've heard of it, yeah. You've heard of it? It's pretty, it's like Malcolm Goldwell's Outliers. It's a, His name's it's a, Malcolm Gladwell. Did, what did I say? Goldwell. It's Gladwell. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Malcolm. Sorry, Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> now we might get sued. <laughs> um so the the book basically talks about this, how like, well, first of all, it kind of starts out and, and I, it's a good book. I haven't finished it yet, but um, what I've read so far has been really, really interesting. Um, but it kind of starts talking about like the national Canadian youth hockey team. Mm. And he, he pointed out that most of the players that were on this team had birthdays that were in like January, February, and March. Really? And very few that were later in the year. Huh. And... And that seems kind of like interesting. Like why would kids that are born early in the year be better hockey players than it's gotta be like, is it like an age cutoff thing or something? Exactly. Yeah. So what would happen is, is in Canada, they, they, they get these kids on these development teams at really, really early ages. Yeah. And, um, and there's like an age cutoff, you know? So like kids that are born in September are playing with kids that are born in January Uh, and they have this, they're playing with kids that are like a year older than them. Almost a year older than them. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so what, what would happen is these, these older kids would get noticed as like the more talented kids. And, and so they would get put on more advanced teams with better the coach. scouts would see them and send yeah. them to the national program to get all the screamo so, training and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. So they would basically have better opportunities. So Canada basically wasted like half, potentially half of its like really good. Yeah. Maybe it's really good athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. You know, wow, so that's crazy. Um, and, and he talked about the, the, the Matthew effect. And this is something I had you heard of the Matthew effect before? No, I hadn't ever heard of the Matthew effect before, but um, it is. So it's like probably the first scripture I've ever quoted on our podcast. But <laughs> Period. 
But it, Matthew twenty five twenty nine says, For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. So so it's basically kind of saying that, you know, like if like these kids that were already like were were showing up as good and talented were given more and more opportunities and the kids that weren't were getting less and less opportunities. And so the, the kids with the more opportunities kept getting better and better and the kids with the fewer opportunities weren't advancing the same. Huh. Don't worry if I, we'll quote the Quran next week or something. <laughs> but yeah, um and so this book so basically his point was it really wasn't anything genetic about these kids excelling in the in the Canadian right. hockey league. It was more about their opportunities that they were given. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And um one of the the big things that this book points out, which I think the book kind of gets famous for, is the 10,000 hour principle. Ah, uh, yeah, I've heard this before that you can be an expert once you spend 10,000 or you have to spend at least 10,000 hours to be an expert. Yeah. And you know, and they even did like they did the study of this this really prestigious high-end musical school and you know, the kids that that made it there obviously were somewhat prodigy. Right. Um, to even get there, but they really never became masters until they had had practiced intentionally for for 10,000 hours. Interesting. You know, and um and I think that's the key there. And and it's so true with cycling. Like with cycling you get good by spending time doing it and not just spending time doing it, you know, like spending time with, with like the deliberate intention of being better, right. Of improving. Like, like for instance, I walk all the time. I'm not a better walker than I used to be. And I drive all the time and I'm not really out there trying to improve my drive. So I'm not really becoming a better driver. But if you're, if you're practicing and you're, you're intentionally trying you're intentionally doing this to become better at what you're doing after 10,000 hours. I'm willing to bet good money that you would become like if you just go up dry Creek every single day and then go down bobsled every single day and then hit the same jumps on bobsled and skip the same jumps on bobsled. You, you, I mean, you may, maybe you'll get a little bit better over time, but not like, okay. Cause I hadn't thought about that intentionality before. The intentionality is huge. Just doing it isn't going to make you better. No, but Doing it with an intention and purpose will, hmm. you know. Interesting. So, wow. Yeah. This whole episode's like a messed up TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> but how many hours, uh, well, how many years do you think it would take to achieve this 10,000 hours on a bike? It depends. I mean, the way most people who ride bikes ride bikes, like uh, uh, they'd never get there. They'd never. Yeah. I figured. You keep talking. I'm going to do some math in my calculator. Well, I actually did it. I, did you? Okay. I actually did some prep on this. Interesting. I figured it would take 13 years at 15 hours a week. Which is a lot. 15 hours a week all year long is a lot. 13 years? 13 years. Okay, that's so, interesting. Huh? So people like, like a lot of times this, this is referred to like professionally. Like if you do your profession, which you do from like 40 hours a week, which, right. you know, which wouldn't, you'd, you'd accomplish that in fewer years. Obviously. Right, right, right. But, <clears throat> yeah. So, wow. That's actually really interesting. Huh? Yeah. So, so ultimately, ultimately I think what really at our level what really makes the biggest difference is is our opportunities right. and, our, and our times. And one thing that um, 
One thing, there was a quote from this book that I thought was really, really just kind of summed it up well is, and I'm, I'm quoting right from the book, success arises out of the steady accumulation of advantages. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's never just one thing. Like I, I always tell people reject reject simplicity like the world is a complicated place like if it you know it's like clickbaity articles like this one trick to you know lose 25 pounds or whatever when in reality it's 500 different little things that you have to do in concert together right oh yeah and and so i think that and i've talked about this a little bit before but i think one of the one of the concerns i have with with like with nika and so forth is that there definitely is that tendency to have you know, like you're going to have Drew Free coaching the, you know, who coaching the best kids. Right. And just some, bless their heart, bless, will, yeah. willing parent that volunteers to coach the beginners that may or may not really know. Have how, any knowledge to impart. Right? Yeah. They're, they're babysitting. You know, and, and so, so it's like the best kids continue to get the best training and then, you know, those other kids have to find some other way to break out and get into a better group to get the really good development. You know, which is one thing with Maybird has always been my philosophy is no matter how, f- what pace the group rides at, I've always made it a huge priority to just have just high quality, high quality yeah. coaches so that, so that everyone has the potential for that advantage. Um, right. You know, I mean, I look at the, the people coaching like our beginner groups and our, like the, the younger groups, you know, we've got some of those kids that are, they're like kids that are seriously some of the best in the, I mean, just really, yeah. really good skilled, talented younger kids that are coaching these, these new riders. And what a lucky, fortunate way to get introduced into the sport to, to learn from like, you know, it's just looking at that list of, of coaches coaching our beginners is, cause we have excited. a case one time where somebody was like pushing back, the idea because like Andrew is going to coach the group I want some kid coaching my group or whatever and a lot of things make me mad um, but that made me insanely mad I'm like that is the yeah, dumbest thing I've ever heard because this kid coaching the group had just was finishing consistently top tens in the national races and stuff right. you know like one of the right. best riders around, around that you'll see out on the trails yeah you know like, yeah and that's yeah, can, yeah that's crazy we don't have to do, jump re- relitigate that but like you are right that you know um, there is something to be said for like, and, and I kind of, we were talking about this earlier too, like the direction, like what Nike is going to look like in the future. Cause it is great. It's doing an amazing job at bringing kids into the sport. But I do kind of think that like, that's, that's the why behind a Devo team, you know, is that like, there's only so much I think that a Nike team can do. And that's why I, I kind of think there's been this proliferation of Devo teams in the past five or 10 years as Nike has changed from being, in Utah, what, 250, 500 maybe kids of the year. How many kids are in Nike now in Utah? Oh, I have no idea. Thousands? Thousands and thousands. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah, you know, and, and and these advantages and these opportunities is is where I hope that Maybird can can create more of these for motivated riders and, right. and um, you know, just provide opportunities for those that, that seek them. Um, you know, because you do think about it like, you know, kids that, that do well, like some of the advantages that some kids have that other kids might not. Um, some I, I just thought like one is it's like proximity to trails. Yeah. That's huge. You like you notice like Skyline, Corner Canyon, Park City. 
Lone Peak. Lone Peak. Like the schools <laughs> that have really good proximity to trails always tend to do better. Yeah. That's, that's not, a, that's the not genes a, aren't better there. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, the, the genes, genes don't get worse the farther west you go in the valley, the access to trails gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, another advantage kids might have that, that other kids might not is, is like if your parents were, were and are experienced cyclists. Yeah. That's a huge one. Huge one. It's an underrated one. Even if your parents have money, if they're not into cycling, that's like a big differentiator, yeah. you know? Um, this one, like, like access to coaching and, and knowledge base, this one's getting more democratized is that the word I, I you say democratic there I think okay. is if you throw that out but on the on the same and we kind of mentioned this too like this flip side of that token is like there's a lot of garbage well, information yeah if, you, if of, you're getting your training a lot of people hawking like stupid tuplements su- tuplements <laughs> supplements on t- <laughs> supplements on tiktok I'm gonna call them tuplements now okay that's actually okay tuplements on sick talk tuplements on sick sock um <laughs> No, it's it, and and you know and the other one and like Dan and I had a spirited discussion about this earlier like and and we kind of let like I like money matters you know like this is an expensive sport you know there's some advantages and and what we settled on with all these and I'm so sorry if I'm stealing your point at the end of the day is like no one or very few people will have access to all these advantages the access to good trails good genetics a good coaching base you know re, like financial resources and stuff and what we kind of settled on is Dan and I agreed that like you don't need to have everything line up. And in some cases you'll have nothing line up. Like I always, I like to point out there are some guys riding in the world tour right now from like Eritrea and stuff, you know, countries that do not have cycling infrastructure that are not wealthy countries. And like, you know, on average, you're going to see a lot more Frenchmen and Belgians and, you know, and Germans and stuff being at the top of the or Swiss, you know, Swiss guys at the top of the, the level when you have all of those things line up but, but like if you're listening to this and you're thinking like like dan said we do cycling on the dollar menu like don't don't ever catch yourself thinking like i don't have enough money to be varsity state champion someday but do remind yourself that like but yeah i'm jumping through some hoops that other people don't have to jump through and that it might take me a little longer i might have to open some doors for myself and and you know give yourself that grace but like you know um no, very few people are going to have every single advantage line up and you can still be as great as you want to be. You know, but like, like along the, like, like with these advantages we've been talking about, they don't like, they don't have to be as advantageous as you might think. For instance, like proximity to trails, you don't have to ride on a trail to get fast. Like nope. you can get fantastic fitness on on the road you know yeah. in fact sometimes better fitness yeah. well actually normally better fitness and like on a trainer too yeah um you know i you know and then like um you know, you know as far as like knowledge and, and you know it, it's out there you can learn it and i think that's one thing i love helping people with i mean that's why we do this podcast is we can share the puny little amount that we know with other mm-hmm. people that mostly we learned the hard way and yeah um you know, another another advantage some kids have is that their parents started them super early, and and this is a huge advantage in sports that like like ballet or ice oh, yeah. skating, music, but, music. But yeah. you know what? In endurance sports, it's not that big an advantage. No, I always like to tell people that uh, I did nationals in what 2016, and Ryland Shadeg is a name you'll remember. Uh, came thir- third or fourth that year behind like Chris Blevins, um, which is a name you should all know now, <laughs> current short track world champion. Um, and I, I think it was, it was something crazy. Like it was his third year riding bikes 
and he'd come from soccer or something, you know. Well, like, but like a lot of pro cyclists start psych their their careers like later in life. Primoz like, Roglic, like I was talking, ski jumper. Yeah, like you don't like this isn't a sport you had to do when you were six to be good at it when you're thirty. Helps. Certainly helps, <laughs> especially with the skill aspect of yeah. it. But but endurance sports, you can start later in life oh, and yeah. still become elite. There was a guy who won Lodija a few years ago who like started riding when he was like in his thirties or something. That was a while ago. Can't remember what year, but yeah. 100%. You know, and then equipment equipment is huge, but I would, you know, obviously if you don't have the right tool for the job, it's it's a huge disadvantage. Right. And I would say your equipment needs to be kind of like your genetics. It needs to be good enough. It needs to be good enough, yeah. And I was saying like a point I was making earlier and like you can argue with me on this. I don't know that cross country bikes have gotten significantly faster in the last 5 years. Um they've they've become a lot more fun to ride and a lot more versatile at the same speed. Um, but like, you know, I like my first serious bike was a 2013 Scott spark 900 RC. That bike would still win a Nike race. Now it would be garbage to ride on Zen. It would be not fun on, on anything other than a Nike course. But like if you're just motivated to win races and stuff, don't sweat if your bike doesn't have boost axles or if you know, like uh, it's got a two by drivetrain and you can't afford to put a one by on there. Like those things help. And you're, I mean, you're hearing this from the biggest gear snob in the world, right? But like at the end of the day, um, like Spencer Davies won um, uh, his varsity state, state title champs, yeah. on a Da Vinci hardtail with like mismatched wheels. And that stuff he bought like used. That. But he bought used, you know. And on the flip side, I always remember there was a, a Garrison Asper, one of the founding members of Maybird, won a Nike race against a kid on an S-Works Epic riding an aluminum hardtail BMC, you know, like... You know, bikes help. They're a big deal. And if and if and the funny thing is, you can go spend ten thousand dollars on an enduro bike and totally lose a Nike race. But um, if you can't afford this year's S Works, you're going to be fine. You yeah. know, like yeah. it's yeah. Your bike just has to be good. And the, and the thing is, is like the top quality fast bike is going to help with races. But yeah. you can gain fitness on just about anything. I yep, mean. as long as it's safe. Yeah, as long, as long as it's safe, it's you can get faster on it. So you know. Um, a point I really want to emphasize is switching gears a little bit here. Uh, We've already, we don't have to explain that again. Okay. That pun's fine. <laughs> um, there really are some advantages that like the, the money and location and, and so forth can't buy, but I don't think they're the most important. No. I think the three most important things, and, and we've talked about these, but do you, do you remember Joe, what I said were the three most important things if you for for becoming faster gosh okay uh -oh. i won't i won't put you on the uh -oh. spot <laughs> i totally remember them dan but for everyone else what are they <laughs> but the first one is your volume right time on the bike time on the bike yep. volume time on the bike that's yep. the first most important thing if you want to get faster the second one is intensity discipline you know how you go super 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 hard on your hard days and lots of easy volume you know it, right that's the second one and the third one is, is you're recovering your nutrition. And those things don't cost extra money. I will push back a little bit because this is something that was irrelevant to my experience pretty recently is like, if you don't have money and you're going to have to work to put your th yourself through college, there will be, or if you decide to go on an LDS mission or something that a lot of people in this area do, there might be times in your life where you don't have the ability, you don't have the hours in the day to do a lot of time. But if you get your intensity distribution and your recovery and sleep right, you'll be okay. You can get you can get through those years, and that's kind of like 
the tricky part of this discussion is on one hand, I don't want to dismiss lack of access to any of these. Like if you have really, if you have, God forbid, some horrible genetic disease or whatever, like you can still be a great cyclist. It's just going to look different for you. Or if, if you're like me and you have to work full time and then go to school at night and stuff and you only have 45 minutes of free time in your day, you can still do it. And it's, it's tricky because I think a lot of times when we have this conversation, the you can still do it wins out over the, but it'll be hard. And I think it's worth recognizing that like lack of access to any of these things will be a challenge. And that like, we don't want to take that lightly that like, we don't want to discourage you, but like, just recognize, like if you don't have parents who are driving you to practice every night or who aren't supportive of cycling, or if money's really tight and you can't afford to get all the racing experience and have you know, the ideal gear and stuff, like give yourself some grace and then give yourself some time because time on the bike wins over everything else. If you spend the next 20 years riding a bike as much as you can, you will be better than a super talented rich kid from Park City who has every single advantage who burns out two years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and like the point I really wanted to make is, is that, you know, you're, you are right that, um, that time can be a luxury, you yeah. know? And, and I think, especially as you, you know, as you're going to college and yeah, I, I do think that most of us or most of us that are currently Nike riders, yeah. you're going to have more time now than you're ever going to oh, have. Now's the time. And like, I'd say like, take advantage of this. This won't ever, this might not yeah. ever happen in your life again. You know, but if, if you can spend more time riding and you can do it smartly and, and distribute your intensity properly and take good, good care of your overall health through those, those, they don't cost any money. Nope. And, and it's, it's something that can give you a huge advantage over, you know, a kid that has the nicest bike in the world that doesn't ride it. Yeah. The, if, it doesn't matter if Keegan Swenson's training you, if you're doing two hours a week. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, so, um, I guess that's really all I have, you know, just the old saying that, that, what is it like hard work beats talent well, if, when talent doesn't work hard yeah or something like that i think that makes sense hang on i'm trying to make sure the internal logic of the thing i just said yeah is hard work beats talent if talent, talent doesn't, doesn't work, work hard. hard okay i think we're good there but so. i still feel shaky <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know the whole point of this episode is you know we've we've all kind of you know we're all kind of some of us have different we're in different circumstances you know some of us have advantages others might not have but we should all kind of take whatever we've been given and just do whatever we can to be just the best we can possibly become take it and run with it yeah you know and this might be like a somewhat uplifting or really discouraging way to kind of end here but like i don't think anyone listening to this will ever be a world champion i'd love for it to happen but like that's not the point you know Take what you have and run with it and make your life better. Make yourself a better person. Get good at something. Like I had my team meeting with the green boys the other day and I hope, I don't know if it actually came across or if they listened, but like, like just get good at something, be an expert at something, like be an expert bike racer. Even if you're not winning, you know, like know how to do it, perfect a skill, use, use your time as a human being with free will to do something worthwhile. And it doesn't have to be cycling, but this is certainly a fun one, you know? (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I think so. Sorry, I talked over you a lot during this one. Lots of metaphors too, huh? Oh, I'm used to it. Yeah. Uh, our, our what? Our 14? That's not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. Do you realize we're competing with the Super Bowl? Right? I don't think anyone. <coughs> Isn't that listen. hilarious? We are, so I always go back and like see how many people listen to these, and this week it's probably like seven. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, go ch- Chiefs. 
We just said we have yeah, the Chiefs because they're the underdogs, I, right? I guess like whoever go underdogs, go Chiefs. I think unless that changes, then go Eagles. But uh, as always, let us know if you have any questions. Go whoever loses, go. <laughs> we'll buy their T-shirts after they lose, right? Give them a discount. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, folks. We'll talk to you again next week.